Welcome to Big Sky Big Takes, a production of the Big Sky Podcast Network and, of course, um, our good friends at the, uh, man, at at the FCS Fans Nation podcast. I don't know. Are they a network, guys? I think that's it's network. network. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're calling it. Man. I am your host, Colby Peterson, on the night. Want to welcome everybody into this one, man. We really appreciate our guys want to. Talk a little bit about the guys who are on the show tonight. First time, I mean, not the first time you guys have done Big Sky Big Takes, but first time this season. So want to welcome back Brent Wahlberg from the Grizz Fan Pod. Brent, how have you been, man? Hey, doing good, doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. And, you know, uh, like in the slightly shortened version, too, looking forward to just chatting a little bit about the conference tonight. Should be a fun night. Totally, man. And then also returning to Big Sky Big Takes for season, whatever this is, for the first of this season, we've got Hot Take Nate from the Montana Men Podcast. Nate, how are you doing, man? Doing fantastic. Glad to be on here. Bear Tycoon and I are taking a little sabbatical on our podcast. So it's nice to uh, come on here and talk with some knowledgeable people like you guys, because I never did get to do that the last couple of years with him. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, we've all been kind of watching our teams. We're now into conference play. And so we got to get to kind of play each other and kind of see how this thing shakes out. Um, a lot of folks have said the big sky's stacked, guys. I mean, it's going to be a tough conference. The next three, four weeks are really going to be interesting. And so uh, excited to talk a little bit about the show tonight. Uh, but before we get into all that, we want to shout out our, our good friends within the Big Sky Podcast Network. So like we said, we got Brent from Grizz Fan Pod. We've got Nate. I mean, like you guys said, Nate, you guys are taking a sabbatical on the Montana Mint right now. But we'll be back. Wanna- we'll be yeah. back. Okay, good. Well, they'll be back talking. Grand reveal. <laughs> uh, so we also want to shout out some of the other folks who are not here. Of course, Colby Peterson from Weber State Weekly, uh, and some of our other good folks like Tubbs at the Club, Eagles Power Hour with our good friend Kyler, who was not able to make it with us this this time, but maybe in in the future. Uh, of course, he's super busy. Lots of shows, like we talked about last week, and then of course R and R Catcast covering Montana State. Uh, did I miss anybody, guys? I, I hope I didn't. NAU podcast, uh, Casey doing a good job there talking about lumberjack sports. I hope I didn't leave anybody out. I don't think I did. Think you got it. Yeah, I think we got it. So, yeah, so check all those out. And of course, FCS Fans Nation, really appreciate them for giving us the opportunity to kind of talk a little bit of Big Sky Sports on their platform. So, Always check them out. I listened to them this week. I love the taco bets, guys. I think we need something like the taco bets in the big sky. So maybe steal their idea a little bit. Montana State has a guy named Taco on their team. So why not? (laughs) And he is. And he's uh, he's good, man. Like that guy is uh, he's doing stuff for you, goods. But uh, let's get into the show, man. So we're going to talk about three games just like we did last week. We're going to talk about three of what we thought were the most impactful games in the big sky in week five. And so those are going to be. University of Montana at Idaho State in Hold Arena. And uh, I've got my takes on that arena. Uh, Then we're going to talk a little bit about the UC Davis game at Montana State. And then we're going to wrap up with Northern Colorado at Idaho because, I mean, this is the second week in a row we've talked about Idaho. It's the second week in a row we've talked about Montana State. Everyone's like, come on, cover my team. Like, listen, guys, it's coming. There are big games coming. We'll talk about your team eventually. We haven't talked about, you know, some of the other teams, but we will. So, that's kind of our preview for tonight, man. And so uh, let's get into it, guys. I want to start out with, like we said, this uh, Montana at Idaho State game. And, you know, I think at face value would say, are we really going to talk about this game, guys? I think it was a pretty much foregone conclusion what was going to happen here, right? I mean, Idaho State, worst team in the conference, probably the worst team in the in the nation maybe right now. It's got to be close. Close. I mean, I mean, it's tough, right? But uh, but I don't know, man. Like, Let's just start out, guys. I mean... 
we expected the Grizz to come out and just kind of blow the doors off. We didn't expect Idaho State to really be able to do anything offensively because the Grizz defense is so stacked. And so, Brent, I mean, these are your guys, man. Kind of give us your impressions of how things went in Pocatello on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was a game where... um I mean, it was, it was kind of an ugly game. I, I don't think you can take a lot away from it to say that it was, uh, it was something I don't think a lot of us expected in some regards, uh, like those of us in Grizz nation, uh, Grizz games in Holt are always weird. Um, yeah. we, every, we've had so many strange games there. Um, it's kind of funny in 2009, Montana was undefeated and Idaho state was winless. Uh, Montana goes, there's the number one team in the country and has to kick a field goal with 10 seconds left to win the game 12 to 10. It was, and it was the strangest game ever. Um, yeah, so there, there were so many just bizarre things that have occurred there, but I mean, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, former Grizz players say Holt Arena is haunted. So I'm just going to go with that. It was the ghosts. But, uh, you know, honestly, Grizz played a little flat. And so for a Grizz team that had come off a couple games with some pretty dominant performances against very poor to marginal teams, uh, they made a lot of mistakes. Um, bad early interception, um, you know, uh, give up a couple big plays. We get maybe our best cover safety kicked out for targeting. Our number two corner was out surprisingly out for the whole game. That wasn't expected. So you kind of had a couple of weird things happen. Um, and then, but you know, the thing is too, like you look at the final box scores, like there's one by eight. Holy crap. Uh, the sky's falling on Montana. But then if you actually go back and watch like moments of the game, Lucas Johnson tries to extend the ball to cross the goal line with seven minutes to go in the game, which would have made it 35 to six. He doesn't. He fumbles. It hits the pylon. And of course, that stupid rule kicks in and it's ISU's ball. So they score with five minutes left and they score with about 30 seconds left. So they put 14 late points on where, you know, they never really stood probably much of a chance to win the game, uh, but it makes it look really close. So, you know, it's it's a game that it's probably, you know, puts a little bit of a it shakes a bit of the confidence that a lot of us Montana fans are feeling. But hopefully, you know, it gives the team something to build off of just to recognize that, you know, um, even some of these games that are perceived to be easier games, you've got to prepare yourself because as a lot of us know, the first half of Montana's schedule has been a cakewalk and the second half is quite the opposite. I think of their six games, five of them are against ranked teams right now. So it's going to be a lot tougher on the other side for Montana. Yeah. And you know, like you said, Brent, I mean, the Grizz had really handled everybody that they'd seen up to that point. So even though it was a soft schedule, there were no scares. You know, they handled every single team that they faced. And so it seemed like that was exactly what was going to happen here. So just weird things happen. I don't think, you know, when I was watching the game, it was the game was never really in doubt. Mm-mm. You know, it wasn't like the Grizz were going to lose. You know, it was just like, ah, these are just weird things happening. But um, but anyway, Nate, give us your take, man. I mean, I don't know how much of this game you watched, but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts. We were getting ready for the Montana State game. It was the late game, obviously. So we were drinking yep. some beers in downtown Bozeman. Didn't get a chance to watch a lot of this game. Um, I'm a simple man. I look at the final score, Brent, and that just sure. lets me know that uh, the Grizz are gettable. I mean, honestly, we know the Grizz are good. Uh, we know the Grizz are good. This game, I think, gives the big sky a little bit more confidence that maybe they're not invincible. Because, I mean, I'm not even saying that any – of anybody on the Grizz fan pod was, was saying they were invincible or that they were, you know, unbeatable, but we all knew that that defense was stout. We knew that Lucas Johnson had been playing very, very well. This game kind of gives you that maybe a little reality check for the rest of the conference in a good way thing saying, you know, the Grizz aren't just going to roll through everybody. 
Uh, so I think that was something I took as a cat fan and maybe the big sky took as well as that maybe not as invincible as we all thought they were with how dominating they were with those teams that they were supposed to dominate. It was Idaho state game was another team. They were supposed to dominate. I think they were 33 point favorites or something like that. I honestly thought they were going to win by about 40 um, yeah. and it didn't happen. So uh, it was one of those, one of those weird games, you know, Montana state knocked off McNeese and Moorhead like they should have by, they, they, you know, they covered their spread. One was by like 50, the other one by 30 plus points. Montana state took care of those teams that they were supposed to, I would have been a little bit nervous with this score against McNeese or Moorhead. Um, if Montana state did that. Um, but I think those two games were early in the seasons. We were still trying to figure out who Montana state was where this, we know who the Grizz are. They're a very good team. They have an awesome defense. They have a very good quarterback. Um, so I feel like this one's not as scary for the Grizz fans as it would have been like if Montana state would have only beat McNeese or Moorhead by eight. Because we know what the Grizz have, and they have a very good team, obviously, uh, number three in the country, I believe, right now in these polls. So like Brent said, you can't put a lot of stock in that final score as much as I want to. It was never really in doubt. You can tell. I mean, that touchdown at the end of the first half was huge for the Grizz with five seconds yeah. left. That changes the whole trajectory of things going into the second half. But, um, you know, I love seeing it. I love, you know, texting my Grizz friends and tweeting about it that they only beat Idaho <laughs> State by eight. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, I think this is more of an anomaly than what's going to be occurring um, for the Grizz the rest of the way. Their schedule does get harder, obviously. Um, but, uh, like you said, the game was never in really doubt. It just is nice as a foe of the Grizz to see a little bit closer of a game here and not just like a 30, 40 point blowout like they've been doing and like what I thought they were going to do. So it's it nice for us to see that it's a W for them. It's a conference win. So you can't, uh, you can't be too mad at it if you're a Grizz fan, but it was nice to see as a, as a opponent of the Grizz, a little bit of a closer game and, and see that they're, you know, not invincible. Yeah. I mean, your, your hope is like as any fan, when you have a close game against a team that you should blow out is that it's more of a gut check rather than exposing, you know, bigger concerns. And that's, that's the big narrative around Montana. I don't think any Montana fan can deny that, you know, what the best team they've beat is a what a two win Portland state, a one win Portland state, or, or maybe a South Dakota that took NDS held on for a half against NDSU. I mean, the Grizz don't have a good win yet. So that's going to be the second half of their conference, their schedule. I'm so bummed Kyler didn't come on because I had researched this point because I was waiting for some more pylon about good teams should beat the crap out of everyone. And I went <laughs> back and I looked and when Eastern Washington won the national title, they beat Northern Colorado by seven. They beat NAU by seven and they beat Central Washington by three that year. So Ooh. teams that win national titles go far in the playoffs and do great things have bad games too. The best part about, like you said, Nate, is at the end of the day, it is a W. Hopefully it's a learning lesson rather than a sign of more things to come. If you're a Montana fan, it was interesting. I, I look at the quarterback Sagan grown hour and it was Hayes before he grown gets his first start and does go for a third string quarterback, third, third string quarterback, a little bit over 50% of his passes, 260 yards. Like that was nice to see that, you know, someone was able to do something against the Grizz to have it be this dude uh, was very, very surprising to me. I would have never thought 260 for Sagan grown hour um, <laughs> after this game was over. You know, the last thing I'll add, and I hope you kind of get to see a little bit of him as well, too. I have no idea how Xavier Gullery is a Bengal. This kid looks like he should be playing in the Pac-12. He's 6'3". He's a little over 200. That He was... He impressed me. He had, I think he finished with 85 yards. He had about 60 of it against our safeties. Then the Grizz made a shift and put Justin Ford shadowing him. Really cut his yards down. Probably might have had a later TD that hit his fingertips, uh, even with Ford in coverage, just a little bit of an overthrow. Um, 
you know, I, I mean something, right? Yeah. I mean, just yeah. fit, my, my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, uh, this gallery kid, I, I, I have no idea how this kid landed at Idaho state. He's the, the, the one shining star in, in that whole dumpster fire they have right now. Yeah. Another thing that I was going to say, you know, talking a little bit about momentum, right. Going into the halftime. I mean, there were quick, quick turnovers that turn into points for the Grizz that I think give, give them a little bit of, I guess relief going into the locker room at halftime because things were looking pretty tight, tighter than, than I think anybody really expected. Then the turnover happens and then they immediately, you know, march down like Idaho state's defense with the sh- that short of a field was not going to be able to keep the Grizz out of the, out of the end zone. And they didn't. And so that just kind of gave the Grizz that opportunity to say, okay, everybody calm down. We're going in and it's, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, they walk into the locker room up at halftime, you know, 21, 21 to six. six. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, okay, fine. You know, and those, and there were a couple of really key scores in that second quarter for the Grizz that kind of let the pressure off. Cause I think, I mean, Brent, you can give me your take as a, as a Grizz fan, you know, kind of watching the way that the first half was uh, going down. It was just like, what is, what is happening? Like what, <laughs> yeah. what is going on, dude? Like, how is this a game? Yeah. I mean, and that was because I think it was 3-0 Idaho State at the end of the first quarter because we'd had an interception. Idaho State was controlling the ball, controlling the clock early. So uh, Montana to have a 21-point explosion, one helped with an interception for, um, you know, that set up uh, the second touchdown, I think it was. Um, that helped. I mean, it really kind of helped spark Montana's offense. And it's it's wild that, you know, they just scored seven whole points in the second half. And it turned out to be a, you know, a backwards lateral uh, wide receiver pass to a tight end for the touchdown. But, uh, you know, whatever way you can get it, I guess. So, yeah, odd game, funky game, weird stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, moving on. So that's that's And we got a week off to to recollect, which is nice, too. So last question on this guys and, and Nate and Brent, I want to get both of your takes and then we'll move on to the next game is we talked a little bit about it in our big sky podcast network chat on Twitter. It's a group chat between, you know, the, the affiliate members talking a little bit about the Grizz in the second half, because it was like, ah, oh, they only scored seven points. Like, like you mentioned, Brent, there was an opportunity to score more, but you know, mishaps happen fine, whatever the game wasn't in doubt. So like, it didn't kill you, but uh, I wondered, you know, we talked like, are the Grizz just kind of coasting right now? I mean, are they just kind of like chilling, you know, cause they don't think the Idaho state can hang. And so they're just like, you know what? The defense has got us. It's fine. What were your guys' takes? Did it feel like the Grizz were just coasting in the second half playing twos and threes? Like how, how'd it look to you? I mean, this is from someone who didn't actually get to watch a lot of that second half, but I looked at the ESPN thing and they had the attendance for this thing at five. Literally, it says five uh, <laughs> on the ESPN page. I'm assuming it wasn't five, but more than that there. probably a couple more than that there. But I have to I have to think that you start coasting a little bit when you get and we've talked about it on our podcast millions of times. <laughs> if you when you get out of Washington Grizzly Stadium or any of those really good yeah. environments that you're playing at, how hard it has to be to 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 kind of get up like you do when you're at home or you're in any of the great environments, some of the great environments in the big sky. So I have to think that that had something to do with it. One, you're playing one of the worst teams. You have that lead 21 to six, you get it up to 28 to six. And like, there's just not that same momentum shift where you get that score in the crowds behind you. That's just my total guess um, about what you could have been feeling. I know the attendance was a little bit more than five, but it probably wasn't much more than that. So I'd have to defer to Brent for the X's and O's, but I have to think that's a hard, hard atmosphere to try and come out and keep momentum going when, uh, when you're playing that team. 
Well, I will say that, you know, there were two, I would, I mean, Brent, would you agree? There were two full sections of Holt Arena that were filled with Grizz fans. Yeah. So More Grizz like, fans than ISU fans. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not like the Grizz faithful didn't travel because they were there. It's an easy and, drive. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very far. And, you know, Holt Arena, I have my takes. I think it's a garbage arena. That's what I think. You know what I mean? They talked all about all the money they're spending. And yeah, it looks nice, but like, I, I, they showed the the renditions of what they were doing and all these millions they were spending. And I was kind of like, that's it. That's all they're getting out of that. Like, man, they must've really had to put some money into the roof. You know, because like, the end, of the, the day, rest of that? end of the day, it's still a Kwanzaa hut. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, Brent- yeah. You know, I'd say they weren't playing twos and threes in the second half. Um, uh, really the only noticeable, um, uh, roster change was after Lucas Johnson fumbled the ball. He was benched. Uh, Bobby Houck just pointed out it's a cardinal sin to fumble in Grizzly football and especially to do it at the goal line resulting in a turnover. And uh, he did that. And then Chris Brown got the next two possessions. Obviously Grizz were playing like the game was in hand. So I don't think if it was a tie game that would have happened, but uh, I think maybe trying to send a message there. Uh, Montana was flat for most of the second half. And it's something that those of us in Grizz Nation uh, call, uh, we'd know it as uh, Bobby Ball and Bobby Houck when he's got enough of a lead where he knows he doesn't really need to do anything else. Uh, we just get super vanilla. We run the ball, uh, little short passes. We punt the ball away, yep. uh, chew the clock, run the game out. And, you know, uh, special teams player of the week our punter. <laughs> and so, and I mean, he, he, kicked the hell out of, <laughs> he kicked the hell out of the ball. So it was great, but it was like, Bobby just knew it's like, well, we're going to flip the field every time, even if it's three and out and they're going to have to go all the way. And they didn't have enough time to do enough of that. So ugly win, but it's still a win. And I don't know, it's the way it went. And we saw a lot of that in his past tenure. And I'll bet we, I don't know about the rest of the season because of the schedule, but we'll see more of it in the future for sure. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, like you said, guys, Grizz end up getting the dub in in Pocatello. Uh, never in doubt. Twenty eight twenty. Yes, it looks close, like Nate was saying. But um, if you if you watch the replay, which you can do that on ESPN Plus, you can go back and watch it. Uh, which I was also really surprised because it was it was a, a Grizz production. It seemed right. Was that how it worked? It seemed like yeah. it was it was yeah. all Grizz people, even though the, the game was in Pocatello. Like Idaho State did not put that production on. That yeah. was uh, that was a, a whole other thing. <laughs> Yeah, there was a production team out of Missoula. It's Marty Morningwig, former Grizz quarterback. He lives on the south end of town, and it was the local uh, NBC affiliate who had bid for a bunch of these games. So, um, yeah. if you haven't taken on the full Marty Morningwig experience, I'll tell you what, it is—it's uh, quite the ride. It's—it's—it's—it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You either love it or you absolutely hate it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not in doubt. Grizz get out with the win. I mean, you people can question if they're just box score checking, but if you watch the game, uh, this is a weird one. Is what it is. The Grizz move on. Yeah. So now, guys, let's talk a little bit about the next one. And so, Nate, like you said, you were on the ground for this one. Davis takes the trip up to Bozeman to take on the Bobcats. And uh, this was a make or break game for the Aggies after losing to the Wildcats in in Davis uh, the week prior in a close game, 17-12, really weird score, right? If you watch that game, typical Weber State football. If you've watched it, any Weber State football in the last, you know, four or five seasons with Jay Hill at the helm. I mean, it was just a defensive slugfest. Neither offense could really do very much. Yes, you know, you could say Davis moved the ball, but they didn't seem to capitalize on that movement. And so I think they actually outgained Weber State in that game, but uh, they couldn't find the end zone. And so that's what it was. And so coming into Bozeman last Saturday, if if Davis was going to try and get themselves in the playoffs, they needed this one. 
And uh, the Bobcats had other plans, man. So, Nate, kind of give us your take because you were there. You were in the crowd. We saw your photos. You had good seats, too, man. Uh, great seats. Great seats. It was, it was a fantastic, yeah, fantastic atmosphere in Bozeman on Saturday. It was a late game, 8-15. I think my mom passed out in the fourth quarter. She was so tired. <laughs> Not beer-related. Mostly yeah, just. The game was in it hand. Was, it was 11.45 p.m. in that fourth quarter. But uh, fantastic atmosphere in Bozeman seeing Davis come to town. And um, it was our first game since Cat Grizz without Tommy basically at the helm. Um, I mean, obviously we lost him in the championship game, um, but he has, you know, he's been a starter every year. And so we have Chambers come, Sean Chambers comes uh, from Wyoming, starts this game and just absolutely in control the entire, entire game. I've been talking about him this whole year about how he just looks like he is a loved member of this team, a respected member of this team. He came in, he said all the right things. He said he wasn't trying to take Tommy's spot. He's going to do anything he could in that quarterback room. He was going to be ready. He's been ready all year. And then this game was really where he got to show um, the talent that he really does have and um, maybe that we didn't get to see Wyoming with the injuries, but came out, uh, was in control the whole time. Second play of the game, 78 yard uh, run, uh, which just showed his, his speed, his patience, his vision. And, and it just happened the rest of the game where he, he never looked like the moment was too big. He never looked like he was struggling to figure out where to go or what to do. Took a couple sacks, but nothing too crazy. Made a couple of, if he passes that weren't picked that could have, that could have changed a little bit of that first half for Montana state, but really in the, in the grand scheme of things, chambers came out was an absolute gamer um, that the final run he had, the 65 yard run was coming right at us in the end zone. He didn't even come close to hitting full speed on that. He knew where his blockers were. He just jogged all the way down the sideline for 65 yards. Yeah, into the untouched. End zone. Yeah. untouched. And that's what it yeah. showed um, a few things. I think one of the biggest things I think coming out of this game, especially was, Montana State's offensive line was going to be their downfall this year is what everybody thought, you know, at the beginning of the season. They've um, been really good. Unbelievable what they yeah. were doing in this game. Uh, and they have in, in the past. Games and, against, well. and, and, and against, against Eastern as well. In, yeah, in the previous game as well. And so it was fantastic to see that uh, live. It was, it was really fun to see Chambers take advantage of that and get that, uh, get that W against the Aggies. So, I mean, he, he was obviously what's going to stand out for anybody that was watching that game. If you look at the stats, obviously he's going to be the one thing that stands out. Uh, the scary part is Montana state's defense. Nothing really changed there. Big plays were what um, were hurting them against Eastern. were hurting them against Oregon state. What actually what, you know, McNeese and Moorhead uh, scored on two were just these big plays. Uh, and it's a little bit, it's more of the same of that. Um, on Saturday against Davis, the defense came up big with an interception that, that changed the whole game uh, in that second quarter, I believe it was. Um, but for the most part, just a fantastic, fantastic game to be at chambers, get you thinking about what are they going to do with a healthy Tommy? You can't take away the butte boy off of this, out of the starting, or you're going to have a, you know, a, a revolt um, in Montana. Uh, but at the same time, chambers showed that Montana state has two pretty good quarterbacks with oddly similar skill sets. Yeah. A um, couple of things that I was going to note there was, like you said, uh, a name that you hadn't quite said, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but Callahan O'Reilly really stepped up in this one. So you did talk about the big plays, but Callahan O'Reilly really playing a big role, lots of tackles. You know, he's just sort of playing that role out there to kind of clean up whatever gets into the second level and doing a really good job. I mean, a guy that I think we're going to be saying his name an awful lot as the season goes on, because I think folks maybe thought that the Cats might have a down year, that maybe they wouldn't because they lost so much talent, not just to graduation, but to the NFL, folks. Like they've got they've got guys playing in the NFL on Sundays right now. That's who the, the Montana State Bobcats were last season. And so it's like, oh, it's tough to, you know, reload when you've got three, four guys who are in the league. And uh, I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job. So Brent 
give me your take, man. I mean, I don't know how much of this uh, Montana State Bobcats game you had a chance to watch, but um, kind of tell me what you saw. Well, you know, ESPN, you figured I didn't need to watch the first quarter. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so my uh, my following the first quarter consisted of uh, cat fans tweeting at ESPN and the Big Sky Conference <laughs> complaining loudly. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so uh, I, I did catch the, the second quarter and the third quarter uh, as the game was looking more in hand and it was late and I had been um, maybe consuming a beverage or two since the Grizz game kicked a, you know, an hour or two before that. I, I, I hit the sack. So. But I mean, yeah, Chambers, Chambers looks amazing. And um, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I agree with you. Like Tommy can't lose the job to injury. Um, And, you know, I I don't know if they've announced. Have they announced if he's started, if he's back yet this week? Right. They had an early announcement. I don't think I've seen the official call yet. Yeah. I don't think we've seen the official announcement yet. Right. So it's. I mean, we're not changing anything. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's great to have, I mean, mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating like thing where MSU's got two guys at the very least that can run the offense the same way. So the drop off at quarterback is not very noticeable. And that's been a big challenge that Montana has had where Chris Brown's an admirable backup to Lucas Johnson, but he is not the running threat, the dual threat, like that kind of thing where Chambers comes in and, you know, miss a beat. In fact, it looks even better. So it's, it's going to be fascinating just to see, you know, if that quarterback controversy comes up, it's tough. Like the only other cat game I've watched just because I think the other ones ran at about the same time was the Oregon state game, but that's, that's such a tough measuring stick. Like, okay, yeah. Tommy, Tommy didn't look great in that. The defense looked bad in it, but I mean, it was a PAC 12 school. That's that appears to be a pretty darn good school, uh, you know, school this year. So I don't know, you know, it, it'll be just fascinating to see like if Tommy comes back and runs well, cause he does that great. But if he's still not passing much, throwing some more picks, like what's that going to look like? Like, is mm-hmm. how 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 short's that leash? That's and that's the big thing. I wonder. The one thing that I kind of noticed in this game, having it be just Chambers at the helm, no switching out, no platooning, no rotation, uh, it was it seems he got into the flow of the game a lot easier. And yeah. obviously, it's a challenge when you're going in and out. You know, two plays here, you come in for a play in one set of downs, uh, come out. I feel like just Chambers. Uh, he even said it in his presser was that the game slowed down for him. And he said the first time in a long time, I think. Um, and you have to think that is getting into a groove and preparing that you're going to be the guy all week, knowing that you're in for every down on that drive, uh, regardless of what's going to, what's going on. I think that really helped him. So I, I felt that that's going to be, that's probably the most interesting thing going into this. You know, I wouldn't call it a controversy, you know, yet. Um, yeah. but, uh, the most important thing, or maybe the most interesting thing to watch is can he keep that same groove and that he got into this Davis game? Because he did, he was dropping dimes. I had friends yeah. who don't really follow Montana state football as much as I do texting me. Like, this is your backup. This dude is just <laughs> throwing dimes like to Willie, uh, the one over to Cleveland Thomas. Like those were absolute mm-hmm. perfect passes, yep. um, on those deep balls. And yeah, it was, it, it was fantastic to see, but you have to wonder, can he stay in that groove when he's not the only guy under center? So that's the one thing that I was going to talk about, Nate, was, I mean, obviously everybody's going to talk about the fact that he ran all over UC Davis in this game, ends up netting 203 yards at the quarterback position, which is just insane. Like we said, that 78 yarder uh, for the touchdown in the first quarter. But yeah, there were some really well-placed passes because I think after last week, there were some questions like, ah, can this guy really throw though? Because in the Eastern game, there were some throws that didn't look great. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, I don't know. But not in this one, man. There were some really well-placed balls that were just, you know, just so that like, there's no way the defender can get it. It's just where it needs to be for the guy to haul it in. And they did, right? The the, the Montana State wideouts 
hauled some of those balls in and it made a huge difference. Cause it's like, man, not only is he running all over this team, he's also throwing some of these balls to them just perfectly. And if you're, if you're the Davis defense, you're like, ah, pick your poison right now. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just yeah. really tough for them because they're getting run all over. So they got to keep, you know, the, the, the secondary, you know, and, and some of the backers, they got to stay honest, right? Cause this dude can run on you, but at the same time, you're leaving your guys out in man coverage and he's putting out balls that are really, really tough. And so it's like, man, mm-hmm. just really tough for that defense to deal with. Yeah. And Elijah Elliott, I have to, I have to give him a shout out. I mean, he didn't get much PT through until the Eastern game. He showed up in the Eastern game, ran for over hundred yards, did a fantastic job. He came out this game. He had 16 carries, 74 yards. He was a difference maker with, with how many, you know, I think the cats are down to the, I think he's their sixth string somehow this year. Cause he was basically their second or third last year. So I don't really don't know what happened with him on the death chart. I, I have no idea what he did to piss off somebody on that coaching staff, but um, he come out and he's, he's done a great job filling in for Sumner for Ifonse, uh for all the injured running backs, Montana state. And that has really helped out. It's not just a one man show with chambers back there. Elliot has shown that you do have to watch where he's at because he's going to, he's going to hurt you if you don't game plan for him or if you don't account for him. So I think Elliot has been kind of that unsung hero. Of, I mean, not unsung, but one that we aren't talking about as much because of chambers uh, showing this week, but Elliot in the Eastern game, Elliot in this Davis game was an inter- integral part of what they were able to do uh, in that game plan. So I, I think Elliot's resurgence has been fantastic and huge for the cats. Yeah, I mean, averaging 4.6 yards a carry and a long of 12. So it's not like he's like got one big run that's blowing up his average. You know, like, no, no, no. He's he's doing the work in the trenches, you know, just getting things done for the Cats. 74 yards on the ground, you know what I mean, on 16 carries. I mean, just doing the work. But it's all, like you said, going to be overshadowed by what Chambers was doing because... You know, as a quarterback, he runs for 203 yards and three touchdowns. And you know I mean, he's it's like six, four, he's fun to watch run. Like he's just yeah. humongous and he's so, fast. It's, he's just fun to watch too. Yeah. So that's what people are going to talk about. Right. But I do want to talk a little bit about Davis now, guys, because obviously like they, they just, they get outclassed by Montana state. They just don't have the answers. And so they end up losing this one 41 to 24, not particularly close. You know, they do not score in the fourth quarter at all when the chips are down. And so now they're sitting here at one and four. Um, uh, Personally, I think that their playoff hopes are done. I don't think that you can come back. You can say, Oh, well, Montana state's good. And you know, South Dakota state's good. And Weber state's good. And sure. All of those things can be true, but can you get into the playoffs with four losses? If you run the table, the rest of the, of the season, I don't know, guys, what do you think? You know, so I, I got their schedule in front of me. It, it's hard to say, but they, they get the, they get the, the Montana slate next. They get in terms of easy teams, they get NAU, they get Northern Colorado, they get Cal Poly, they get Idaho state. Um, <clears throat> Four winnable games, uh, yeah. presumably better than all four of those teams. Yeah. Uh, then they go to Idaho. Who knows where Idaho is going to be at that point? They're kind of an upstart, slightly surprising team of the first half of this year. If they continue that, that, and then they finish with SAC. So if Idaho yeah. and you know, if you went out and you're seven and four, and say Idaho still ranked, and say SAC is sitting in that top ten, top five in the conference still, yeah, I think you could be in. But you've got to run the table, and you've got to actually hope other schools do better too. Cause if Idaho falls off and say sack drops a few and they're in the 15, 20th range and they're not in line to win the conference, then that resume just looks like garbage. 
Yeah, I mean, that sack game right now is is really the only thing I think they can hang their hat on. Yeah. And they have to really hope that sack continues to play at the at the level that they are. Because I feel like in some ways, sack is still a little bit untested. Oh, but they've got an FBS win, Colby. Yes, they do. Against Colorado State. Who, you know, if you're watching college game day on Saturdays, they are actively, they're openly making fun of how bad Colorado State is right now. And so I don't put a lot of stock in that win. It's like, oh, they go out, you know, and they beat them in Fort Collins. Like, who cares? They're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. And so, you know, Middle Tennessee State whooped them. And then Middle yeah. Tennessee State, but they were like, well, they beat Miami. Colby, like, don't talk to me about that. That's just weirdness. That's just weirdness. <laughs> but I, I don't, like, if SAC is, like you said, Brent, top five going into that final game of the season mm-hmm. and Davis can pull it out, plus they've taken care of business with everybody else prior to that, maybe, maybe. But they, if they don't get it, they have zero quality wins. And it's just like, why would we let you in? And they're going to need help too, in the sense that, like, yeah. if if it's if it is still the haves and have-nots that we see at the conference, where it's like Montana, Montana State, Weber, and Sacker locks, uh, seven and four Davis being that fifth kind of bubble team. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to be sending like the vast majority of the playoffs is going to be Big Sky and Missouri Valley. So, you know, the joke we have on the Grizz Fan Pod is is a seven win Davis team better than a three win Northern Iowa? And I think most of the FCS voters on the East Coast would say no. They'd put a three win Northern Iowa in, of course, you know, every so, time. They're- every year. <laughs> every time. Put the Panthers um, in, baby. I think the, the one thing that I saw like in person watching this game was Gilliam is like their the weapon. Yeah, yeah he's Hastings doesn't scare you much. I mean, Land Larison, give him his due. You know, he's okay. very good. I think in the slot, like he's very quick. But Gilliam but is Gilliam, it, right. So they ran Gilliam twenty four times, and by that third and fourth, by, especially by the fourth quarter, he was gassed. Scared, he was yeah. donezo. Um, I don't know. You know, I, he was in the transfer portal. I think this year. I don't know if you thought he was going somewhere else. I don't know. You know how much. You know what was going on in his head. But you know, they they ran him into the ground in that fourth quarter um, on on Saturday night. And that's, that's the one thing I worry about is, is that they're only five games in and they have a lot of games left. And he was absolutely gassed in this fifth game of the year. Um, That was like one thing I mentally noted. There was a couple of times he took it, not huge hits, but I mean, he was struggling to get off that turf. He was limping a little bit and he was just gassed. So that'd be the thing I'm kind of watching going for is does Davis have enough weapons besides Gilliam to do, to run that table and to do everything that Brent's talking about to get into the playoffs. And I just don't know if they do this year. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, watching Miles Hastings the previous week against Weber State, Hastings is not a guy who's going to throw the ball deep on you. He's just not. That's not what he does. Their offense is is predicated on getting the ball out quickly and letting their guys get yak. That's what they want to do, right? And so if you've got a team that can contain them the way that Weber State did, and by and large, I mean, the the Cat defense did the same thing, right? They didn't give up a ton of points. Now, they gave up more than Weber State, but still, like, they didn't give up that many points and they absolutely, you know, trounced them offensively on the other side of the ball with some really big plays. Like, I mean, you shut down a few of those weapons. It's like, what is this Davis offense really doing? And I think that that is probably their, that's their biggest question mark on whether or not they can be a playoff team right now is can they get the offense going against tough competition? Even though you look at their schedule and say, well, they don't, they don't have that much tough competition left Colby. Okay but they're going to have to find ways to, to generate points and they're going to need to capitalize on red zone visits because man, when they played the Wildcats, they did not. And it cost them. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. They're going to be an interesting team to watch. It's always fun when Davis is, is good in the conference. They have fantastic facilities. They have, you know, a great stadium. It's a massive school in California. It's always fun when they're, when they're at the top, but it's one misstep and, and, 
and they're not a playoff team. Yeah. I mean, they're, I think in a, in a situation where Weber state was last season, where it was just like, I mean, you got quality losses, but you got too many of them, you know? Yeah. And so, and you know, and when we were lost to Portland state, it was like, well, that's it. You're not going to the playoffs. Now you yeah. had to win that game because you can excuse a loss to you know, Montana state. You can excuse a loss to James Madison in prime time. You can even, you can maybe even excuse that Davis loss. It was less, you know, and then beating Eastern and Cheney. Okay. There's a resume builder, but like, you can't lose to Portland State at home, bro. Like that's yeah. it. And that's kind of where they're at right now. So like the tightrope is ready to be walked because they cannot lose any more games. Otherwise you're in the same spot and you're definitely first four out, if not more. And it's a hard way to end a season when it's one, one, one misstep the rest of the way or sack falls or, you know, Idaho falls and you're not going to get that really quality win. That's going to be a tough way to, to roll through the end of a season when you've already stacked this many losses at the front of your schedule. That's demoralizing for a team. So I can't even imagine what it'd be like trying to play through that, knowing that the playoffs are gone and you're just going to go for that Causeway classic win against Sac State, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. All right, guys, we've talked a lot about that. Um, Montana State. I mean, I had them at number three in my power poll this week because I mean, I had them. I the way that they played Davis, I had them ahead of Weber. Man, I was like, geez, these guys took care of business. But let's talk uh, about the final game this week about this Northern Colorado Idaho game. And so once again, Cole, you're probably like Colby. Seriously, we're going to talk about Northern Colorado against Idaho. Yes, we are. And here's why, folks. I think everybody kind of had a hunch that like, yeah, Idaho is going to they're going to beat Northern Colorado, right? And that first half. Man, I think maybe Vandal fans were sweating on homecoming weekend because things were getting a little bit tight. But then they come in in the second half and, you know, they just hit the Jets and they just took care of the Bears like it wasn't in doubt. And so, like you said a little bit earlier there, Nate, uh, or maybe it was you, Brent, I can't remember exactly. But I mean, Idaho maybe has surprised some folks this season, uh, have gotten some have had some good showings against Washington State and against Indiana. Uh, have taken care of business against some of the other teams that they've played, like Northern Arizona, now Northern Colorado. Um, things are starting to look uh, pretty good. You know, beating Drake, which was a foregone conclusion. I mean, that's beating Drake is beating Drake, like whatever. Um, so what, I guess, for you guys stands out to you the most about this Idaho squad from this homecoming win? Because we're starting to see maybe Eck start to put his team ahead of schedule, maybe? Give me your thoughts. God, that's that's tough to tell. Like they yeah. beat NAU, Drake, and Northern Colorado. Like, sure. I think a Paul Petrino Idaho beats those three teams. This coach uh, team beats well. <laughs> it goes know. two and one. Yeah, you know? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but what I'll say is this: it, uh, I've watched a little bit of two. I watched a little bit of the Drake game, and I think I watched the first. I, I feel like some of the first quarter, most of the second quarter of uh, this UNC game. Um, uh, coach Eck has Idaho like fired up, like they're playing a yeah. different type of football. That is, a, that is, that is, that team has an energy that I've not seen since Idaho has been back in the big sky. It's fun. Um, you know, when, and it's, it's, it's cool to see. It's going to be great to crush their dreams next Saturday. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, like the Drake game though, like the Drake game was kind of close for a while, which is a little weird. Right. Like that, that got to halftime and uh, the announcers were like, you got to play better than this against like the worst team. Like one of you know, this, this terrible scholarship team, yeah. teams. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. And so, there, you know, there's some of these things that it's like, um, and of course, again, 
you know, the, the uh, Northern Colorado, you know, the, the, uh, with Dylan McCaffrey back at quarterback, um, who has been, you know, amongst the big sky of us, we've, we've kind of joked about the nepotism and things like that. And kid passes for 265 yards and a couple touchdowns in the game. And uh, like, it was, it was a shootout until five minutes to go in the third quarter. So they're playing better football. They're looking like a, a more fun team. They're looking like someone that is building to be a competitor. Uh, I don't think they're there yet. I don't know if they're ahead of schedule. We'll find out real fast. Like if they come in and scare the hell out of Montana or God forbid beat Montana or have some other big wins uh, down the road, then yeah, they're ahead of schedule. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I feel like the closest comparison I can draw to X first year, and this is really presumptive. Like I, I'm getting way ahead of myself on this, but this feels like when I saw Choate's first year at the Bobcats and it was like, he was had a team that really rallied to the coach in the system and fought like hell in games, had ugly games, lost the games they probably should have lost anyways. But, you know, of course, you know, they pulled out some wins that they weren't supposed to win as well, too. So, you know, is it going to follow that path? It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. So I think a lot like a lot of these, a lot of these teams, these next three, four weeks, it's really going to show us what Idaho is really made of. So, yeah, you know, they put up, yeah, they put up a lot of yards and, their offense. I mean, they had almost 500 yards of offense in the game too. So it was a great game. Their team speed impressed me too. Their running backs. I mean, I, I, it, it seems like they've, the, what their transition with their roster so far seems to be working. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's funny that you say that show energy because it's kind of the same. You like went from this guy that was pretty bland and Petrino <laughs> to Eck, who has a personality. You can see it on Twitter. You can see that he is yeah. getting that energy going. We went from Ash to choke, which is yeah. like that same thing. This dude was like dead on the sideline. We went to a guy who's going to fire you up to do, you know, the whole team up. So that's a great like similarity or, you know, comparison between the two. And I think you could tell that energy when Eck got hired. Yeah. SDSU definitely misses that dude. Uh, yeah. I, the hire when they got him, I was like, that is a fantastic, fantastic hire uh, for Idaho. And, and you could tell, and I think we're a little bit, I'm a little bit closer to Idaho than I ever thought I would be because of the tubs of the club guy. Like we do get to hear a lot of that inside stuff and they are you know super fans and they love this dude. Um, and so I think I, I, I want Idaho to be a competitor in the big sky conference. You know, they're one of the originals. It's fun when Idaho's up there, they have some of the best jerseys and helmets in the, not the, mm-hmm. the ugly brown ones, but grumpy Joe is fantastic. No. So when grumpy Joe yeah. is at the top, you know, comp- competing at the top. It, it's always fun, but I have to agree with Brent here that it's Drake, you know, <laughs> and you in order to like, we have to pump the brakes a little bit that this, you know, they're in the top 25 now, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's 10, 15 on October 15th against Montana. That's where you really kind of see uh, where this team is at. Montana is also going to be able to see where they're at too against, against Idaho. But this is a, this is a game where Idaho has to win this. If we're going to, you know, we'll keep it close against like Brent said, we keep it close against the yeah. guys. If we're actually going to start buying stock in this Idaho rise uh, to the top of the big sky, but Hey, fantastic win and, and putting up 55 points is fun for the fan base. And, and it's some offense that you probably haven't seen in the last few years with, with that Petrino offense. But yeah, you also like Brent said, you also let Dylan McCaffrey actually look like a serviceable quarterback, which <laughs> is not, is not going to, it's not doing you any favors when you think about when you think of that defense it is, you know, nobody's sweating when the McCaffrey's come to town. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's how usually, usually well, in a roll. 
fans. Maybe fans, 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 right? Are, fans, are. <laughs> fans are definitely sweating when the McCaffrey's come to town, but not not defenses <laughs> usually. And you know, they let McCaffrey look like a serviceable quarterback, but at the same time, uh, a good Idaho is fun for the big sky. It's fun for yeah. us fans. It's it's fun to have those teams at the top. You know, the Weavers, the Idaho's, Montana, Montana State, those type of, type of teams. So it's really is fun uh, to have them up there. So hopefully it keeps rolling. I hope it keeps rolling into the 15th. I hope they come and they prove all of us wrong and they're a legit team and they beat the hell out of the Grizz in Washington Grizzly Stadium. I'm not going to lie about that one. So I really am hoping that Idaho is for real, but I'm pumping the brakes right now um, and waiting for that game at Wild Grizz to really, you know, make my declaration of if they're back. That's yeah, fair. That's fair. We'll see where they're at. Wash Grizz, you know, will make, you know, men out of boys. If that's an environment that you can, yeah. you know, be competitive in and maybe even get a win in, good for you. Let me I see that they put hair have, on your chest. They you know? both have buys going into that game. It looks like we do two weeks well, off for both of us. Second, yeah. uh, second game this year that the Grizz have had to play a team coming off a of buy. So it looks like that scheduling was to try and get ready. And it did not work out for, for, didn't work for when they came, when they came out to log Grizz and they took their only oh. charter of the season. Oh my uh, God. So, so hopefully Idaho doesn't waste <laughs> all these, these buy the resources and go in there and have the same outcome as that, as that Portland state game. I wouldn't mind it, but you know, you Dave, not, uh, I, know I, I will circle back to one thing you said, which I think uh, we, you look at the teams with the real engaged fan bases and Idaho is definitely one of them. So yeah. it is exciting and encouraging because you've got the Montana's Montana States, Weber, uh, the faithful group out of like Eastern NAU has got, you know, a, a couple of real loyal people sticking with it and not to, not to say sack and the others don't uh, shout out to the Hornet house on Twitter, but it's just like, there's, you know, we've got the podcasts you've got, the the more engaged crowds, the the better environments to go to. The better Idaho just makes the conference better. It makes it more fun. Yeah. When you can um, get excited for another game on the schedule where maybe it wasn't Idaho in the past couple of years when they when they came back down to FCS, when you can get excited for more games on this more conference games on the schedule, that's a good thing for our all fan bases. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to talk about here, guys, was Giovanni McCoy because I mean he really had another great game, 298 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, 22 of 27. I mean, this kid has really been something for them. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, did you guys expect that? Or are we really going to see what he's made of when they when they take the trip to Washgris to try and take back the little brown stein? Yeah, we'll see what he's made of then. Um, yeah. Again, uh, just like Montana's been doing, you're putting up good numbers against bad teams. So yeah. let's see. Let's see how it goes. Uh, let's see how it goes when you, uh, you know, start playing the big boys. But um you know, uh, obviously you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're putting up the numbers you're expected to do against lesser opponents. So you're doing all the right stuff. So off to a good start. Yeah. It's fun to have. I hope he's an electric. I, I do. And then we keep going back to the fun factor and having these teams with some <laughs> exciting players. And he could be one of those, uh, one of those guys, which, which would be, you know, fun to have another great quarterback in the, in the big sky. But like Brent said, it's again, it's so early in the season for Idaho with the teams that they've played. Um, to, to see what, what he's made of. And yeah. again, like you said, it makes men out of boys at Washington Grizzlies. So you're really going to see how the, how, how he handles a, a crowd there, how he handles a, an elite defense uh, on the FCS level. So uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, again, it's kind of early to make any kind of predictions or, you know, really know what they're made of, but um yeah. I mean, he gave Washington State a game. He he had to see a he he played really well against them. They almost won that battle of the Palouse, which is crazy. Um, yeah, really so is. that was that was really impressive. So maybe yeah. if he keeps harnessing that and that excitement, maybe he is something. Yeah. Last thing I was going to say was that um, 
the only thing, if I'm Idaho going into that, that game against the Grizz that I need to really be worried about, I think is Lucas Johnson because mm. the Grizz secondary or I mean the, the Vandal secondary, I think is really having a hard time of keeping guys down. You mentioned, you know, giving McCaffrey lots and lots of opportunity to, to beat you. They actually outpassed the, the Vandals by a few yards. I mean, Northern Colorado passed for 300 yards in this game. Idaho only 298. You know what I mean? And so it's like, mm-hmm. and this is Dylan McCaffrey under center for a Northern Colorado offense that has not been good. Um, has, you know, had the benefit of playing a couple of, you know, had a couple of good weeks in a row now. But if I'm Idaho now having to face Lucas Johnson, who has been very good, who is a very mobile quarterback, um, I think you really need to focus and make sure that your secondary is ready for that. Because if not, that plus the atmosphere, I mean, offense gets crowds riled up, man. And if the offense, if the Grizz offense gets going early, yeah, it's going to be a long day. The Grizz yeah. special teams gets the crowd going as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we'll just have to see. Yeah. That, that I mean, there's been, I mean, it, it definitely seems like there, there's a handful of teams with really great defenses early. Um, and there's a lot of teams with, Apparently suspect defenses. So just, you know, you've kind of got your typicals of the last few years. Weber in Montana uh, playing great defense. Cats giving up a lot of yards, but not giving up a lot of points in many situations. Uh, so, it, yeah, well, it, it's just some of this is going to come down to you look at some of these things. That I think it was a point I was going to make in the Cat Davis game was like, you give up a lot of yards, but if your offense is not producing, you're probably fine. But what happens when you start encountering these teams that are much more proficient in the red zone? Like Davis is terrible in the red zone. Yes, they are. Um, Grizz are better, but not great. You know, it's just like, as you start to hit some of these offenses and maybe it's some stuff that you're, some of our teams aren't going to see, unfortunately, until the playoffs, uh, some more red zone, uh, like highly efficient red zone school uh, offenses, uh, what that looks like uh, against some of our defenses. But yeah, with some of these poor defenses so far, especially against lesser opponents, what's going to happen when you hit like good teams, teams that know what they're doing. So like a, that's like we, team, we've said. That, yeah. Like a team that allows 260 yards to say in grown hour. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of garbage time yards. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A lot of guys missing from the secondary. You know, that was the first thing. You know, when Brett started talking, I was like, yeah, they're missing some guys. But yeah. uh, anyway, so that's that's Northern Colorado, Idaho, folks. So, like we said, two weeks off, and then we will see what the Vandals are all about when they head to Missoula to take on the Grizz and uh, see if they can get that little brown stein. Hasn't been in their possession for a long time. So, we'll see about that. Midnight. Now, guys, uh, let's let's talk about MVPs, man, really quickly. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Brent, want to start with you, man. Who's your offensive MVP in the conference this week? Oh, man, I had such a tough time. I like looked around and I debated about it and I just, <laughs> oh, God, I mean, no, it, it's obviously a Sean Chambers, it's but Sean I don't. Chambers. I, I, uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll let, I'll let Nate sing more praises. So what I was going to say was I had a backup choice and I actually thought Giovanni McCoy deserved more of a consideration for his performance, almost 300 yards, four touchdowns. Do you know who has the top efficiency rating in the conference of all quarterbacks? It's McCoy. It's not Johnson. It's not uh, Talkington at Eastern. Uh, so, I mean, this kid's doing good stuff, bad schools, but he's doing what he needs to do. I think the Shashare kid, the Portland state quarterback who got co-MVP, he's an up and coming talent. I think he could surprise some people in years. I thought that was kind of a 
it was a it was a very big sky thing to share an award with <laughs> that type of but oh, you know really anyways it, you know if anyone's gonna co something out when it wasn't deserved for one of the most dominant dual threat quarterback performances in a game that we've seen in years it would be the big sky to give it to totally. share nice game 400 yards five touchdowns but chambers outgained him by like uh, like over what 50 60 yards or something and and i don't know so it's obviously chambers that's my take on it yeah nate what do you got gotta go with chambers obviously i mean yep. i talked about it like if you want to kind of look at that backup mvp it's elliot that allowed him to kind of do that i think in my opinion his receivers made some great catches but i mean first i mean it's the first uh quarterback to do 200 and 200 since dalton sneed um yeah. dalton sneed did it not in that weaver state game but uh no. Uh, in a, <laughs> in game. Idaho State. It was Idaho State, actually. <laughs> wasn't the Weaver game. I know that. But uh um, but yeah, first first 200 200 to do that sounds pretty pretty cool. So yeah, obviously that's that's the easiest MVP we're probably gonna have for a little while. Yeah. 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 All right, guys, let's flip the script down. Let's go on to the defensive side of the ball. Brent, I'll go back to you, man. Defense. I mean, not as clear, right? So I don't know. Give me your pick here, man. What are you thinking for the defensive MVP for week five in the big sky? I had a tough time with this. I think yeah. uh, I, I, I uh, you know, hop back and forth between Pat O'Connell and Riley O'Callaghan. Yeah. Um, reason being probably those were the two games I watched where I actually saw defensive players make some plays. Uh, Pat O'Connell, you know, 10 more tackles, another half a sack. He wasn't credited for another sack in the game. I know the narrative. If it was in Washington Grizzly, he would add three or four sacks. So it's fine. We'll make it up. Against did, the sack go to, did the sack go to Robbie? <laughs> it didn't actually. Okay, I think, well, maybe you guys. So I'm not, I mean, I read a lot of stats and stuff, but if a quarterback is going to pass the ball and is pushed out of bounds by a defensive player for a loss, that is a sack, correct? Because he did that at least once, if not twice, but he only had half a sack in the game. It's fine. He still leads the conference. He has the most sacks, most tackles for a loss in the conference. So uh, I'd say Pat, I, I was really leaning between him and O'Callaghan though, because man, O'Callaghan, um, had a hell of a game too. He seemed like he was in on every play, but that that's where I'm leaning on that. Nate, what about you, man? I mean, mine's going to be so Bobcat centric. It's not like really the big sky MVP. It was just a massive play in our game. And I, it's hard to go back. I didn't obviously get to see all of the big sky games um, sure. on Saturday. And it's hard to go back and just look at stats to figure it out. I just have to um, James Campbell from Montana state had a massive interception in the red zone against UC Davis. The score was 10 to 14 at the time. Davis was going to go in and score. They had just run the most insane fake punt of all time, like 35 yard. It was like fourth yeah. and 35. And he that's some Jay Hill stuff right there, dude. It was unbelievable. <laughs> a, a delay of game on purpose. And then an, uh, a yeah. deliberate false start. And then they do the fake punt. Yeah, it was the yeah, more expect that, right? They're like, oh, they're, they're, they're just Bobcat giving themselves Stadium, more room. Yeah. You could have heard a pin drop in Bobcat Stadium <laughs> after that happened. We were just like, what the hell just happened? So yeah. the next play, I think it was another false start, but then James Campbell gets the interception, totally turns that game around it was gonna it could have been 17 14 changes the whole narrative of this game changes the atmosphere in bobcat state it changes everything huge huge pick down there in the red zone so i know it's bobcat centric it's totally pigeonholed into the one game that i was at but it was a huge play for montana state um so i, I just have to go that one because it's the one i know about yeah and i think for me guys um you know, having watched a good chunk of the Grizz game, um, a good chunk of the Idaho game, and then obviously, you know, the nightcap watching Davis take on Montana State, which was kind of like my game of the week. I really wanted to see what Davis was going to be able to do and also how Montana State was going to follow up that Eastern win. Um, for me, it is it is um, Callahan O'Reilly. And the reason I want to say that is because, 
I mean, there are some bigger plays, like you said, Nate, some more impactful plays. But the thing with Davis's offense is you have to contain them, right? Like they're not going to throw these deep strikes down the field. That's not what they do. They want to get this short chunk yardage against you. And it felt like Callahan O'Reilly really did a good job of keeping guys, you know, keeping them off the sticks, you know, just making sure that like if they're going to get into the second level, they're not going to get too far and just break off these massive, you know, chunks of yardage. And so I really admire that because it takes a lot to continue to be that for your defense. I mean, that, like, like you said, Brent, that's what Patrick O'Connell is doing. I mean, and in some ways that's what Robbie Houck does as well, right? Like he's that guy in the secondary who goes and cleans up the mess if there's uh, something needed. And I felt like I had a lot of respect for what Calhoun O'Reilly was doing and commentators called his, na- his name out mm-hmm. a number of times. You wouldn't know that Nate, because you were there, but they did. They talked a lot about him. And so for me, I think that, you know, that's probably my pick because yeah, man, that was a big win for the cats and um, definitely shot their stock up in my book. And I cool. think that, you know, Calhoun O'Reilly was a big part of that. Yeah, it's been. I mean, he he has been the anchor of that defense. It's it's when you lose when you lose Troy like that, and you think Okada's going to be kind of that guy. And really, I think he, He's, I think he leaned on. I think he leaned on Troy a lot. I think last year and uh, for O'Reilly to step up like he has been. You're right. I mean, it's been it's been huge. You kind of took the full resume. I took the one uh, big play, but <laughs> it makes sense though because yeah. I mean those those things they matter, right? Those big plays they matter big time because you know. I don't know. I remember watching a game a few years ago. Utah is playing Oregon in Salt Lake. They picked the ball. They got the, they got the ducks on the ropes. Kid drops the ball at the one yard line before, you know, he's, so it's not pick six. Oregon grabs the ball, runs it back. Utah lost that game. And so big plays like that make mm-hmm. a big difference in the mentality of players. So I, I get it. I screwed up his name. I apologize. I had him flipped. <laughs> I just, it's like, why do you keep saying it wrong? And I looked it up. I was like, oh crap, I was saying it wrong. I was like, is he talking about the same person I think <laughs> no. he's talking about? It's like, why, why is Kobe saying it all weird? And I was like, oh, damn it, it was me. Well, it was on a different name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, fellas, um, let's wrap up this one. Um, just want to give you guys shout outs to your podcasts, obviously. Brent, you know, you want to hear a little bit more about what the Grizz are doing. Obviously, a bye week. So I'm sure you guys would be kind of taking stock. That's what we had to do this week. Talk a little bit about our team and kind of where we're at. I'm sure you guys will be doing the same. So check out the Grizz Fan Pod. Uh, you guys record Sundays and then drop Monday or Tuesday. Mondays. Yeah. We drop on Mondays. Yeah. Record Sunday night. Used to record Monday night, but uh, you know, one of our co-hosts had to go get elected to city council. So he, he's busy now on Monday nights. So we record earlier and we, so we drop a day earlier and actually we've had a lot of positive feedback that people really enjoy it. So yeah, we're going to keep it up. Perfect. Uh, Nate, I mean, like you guys said, Montana mints coming back. Uh, There's going to be a grand, a grand reveal soon. So looking forward to that. Yeah. And if uh, anybody needs a Montana state Homer to have on their podcast, I will gladly join any of them. The invites been sent out to Grizz fan podcast many times, no return call coming back my way. So hopefully this is the year that I uh, get to do it. But yeah, if you need a Bobcat over on your podcast, I'm the guy until we start doing ours again. Oh, wonderful. And then of course, like we said to folks, uh, Wildcats back in action this weekend is our homecoming game against Eastern Washington at Stewart stadium. Um, Really big Wildcats undefeated right now, 4-0. So interested to see how they can compete as they get into the meat of the schedule. October is a critical month for the Wildcats. They will be facing your Montana State Bobcats. They will be facing your University of Montana Grizz. They will be facing the Sac State Hornets. So this is a big month, plus playing Eastern next week, along with a little Portland State in the middle. So uh, check out Weber State Weekly if you're interested in hearing more about about the Wildcats. Of course, you want to know about Idaho? Tubs at the club. 
You want to know about more about the Montana State Bobcats? You can go to the RR Cat Cast, our good friends Thorny. And uh, oh man, I can't Ryan, fully yep, Thorny Ryan. and Foley. They're, they're doing a good job over there. Uh, and they've been doing instant reactions too. I like that. So a lot of good content in the Big Sky Podcast Network. Also, shout out to the FCS fans. Um uh, nation network they, those guys fans are doing nation. yeah fans nation, nation network yeah. they're doing a good job. they got a lot of shows in the network eagles power hour with kyle busy we got eagles power hour. yeah yep. kyler's doing eagles power hour still with those guys and so uh a lot a lot of good content for the fcs out there folks make sure you're checking out all of it want to thank nate from montana mint and also thank brent from the grizz fan pause for hanging out with me tonight guys guys what's our what's our what's our closing statement what are we going to say how we close this one out one thing you didn't prepare us for, dude. I don't even I know. know. I should have done it. You know what? Should have prepped us, man. Let's God. say it's Big Sky, Big Takes. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. There we go. <laughs>